Charlotte, I will give you $15 cash, US dollars. What a big prize. In cash, if you can guess correctly, it's three tries with zero hits, what I am drinking. What? Start yeah. again? I'll give you $15 with no hints if you can guess what I'm drinking. Why 15? Because I don't want to give you a lot. <laughs> and I'm afraid you might guess. You don't have a 20? Would you just guess? <laughs> no, I, not on me. Are, are you drinking it right now? Yes. So it's off screen? Yeah. Is it an unusual thing that you don't usually drink? Yes. You said no hints. Oh, I mean, no, yeah, you're only supposed to guess. <laughs> he was manipulating me. Like Mrs. Boynton. If the answer was like water, it wouldn't be that interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, maybe she would never guess that. Um, now, now you ask two questions, you only get one try. <laughs> it is unusual for him to drink water, but... Not unusual! He, you haven't drank coffee for a while, so I feel like you might be like, oh, hey, I'm drinking coffee. Like, guess what? But, um. It's more interesting than that. Stop! <laughs> lips! Um, I can guess what Zach is eating. <laughs> Never mind. I'll just tell you. Um, it's a Mountain Dew. You gotta be specific with the flavor. It is, uh, like, the new one that's kind of pinky orange. Oh, thank goodness. I almost thought I was out $15. It's Mountain Dew Frostbite. Oh, my gosh. But it was a Mountain Dew? Yeah. So I guess I owe you $7. I, well, I would say seven fifty. My podcast snack was a Mountain Dew Frostbite and Cinnabon Pop-Tarts. Oh, my gosh. What trash can have you been eating out of? Uh, I've been My eat- apartment. I've been eating- <laughs> I knew it. I came to Zach's apartment, and that's where dreams come to die. So I, I might as well give up on all this, you know, healthy living stuff. I, I, I don't have, I mean, like, I think trash food is great. Like, I, I can't be in any way a hypocrite about it. But I, I will admit, I really want Cinnabon Pop-Tarts now. Are they good? What's your they're, review of them? They're good. This Mountain Dew is, you know... It tastes like Mountain Dew without the bite. It doesn't have the bite. Which is crazy because it has a shark on the can. And it's called Frostbite. So why is it Mountain Dew without the bite? It's like, it's a little more berry flavored than regular Mountain Dew. It's like, uh, it's like Mountain Dew with the edge off. <laughs> I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> I, I don't generally drink Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew has a little bit of a tang. This doesn't have the tang. That's because it, Mountain Dew is like a lemon lime. Right. So this doesn't have I, a, I, See, that's funny because I always interpret Mountain Dew as very smooth. Well, this is smoother than that. Wow. It's this like is, whiskey. This is, yeah, this is, I, I might get drunk off. <laughs> Welcome to Don't Drink the Mountain Dew Frostbite, uh, where we analyze <laughs> agony Pokemon by one. I'm Josh. I'm Zach. I'm Charlotte. <clears throat> and today we have an action-packed episode where we're going to be talking about uh, Agatha Christie's book, Appointment with Death. Is that right, y'all? Yeah, uh, sure. Mm-hmm. Did you read it? Um, but the see the the thing is, so let it be noted that everything Charlotte says about the book, only what I say about the book is true. Because I read the book, I read the play, and I watched both movie versions. <laughs> okay, so th- this is th- what had happened. Was this? Um, I didn't have the book, 
because uh, I don't have very many of them. You told me you did. So, I thought I did. So instead of telling you that I didn't, I just listened to the audiobook because I've been wanting to do that. Because it's an audiobook read by Hugh Frazier, who yeah. plays Hastings in the David Suchet television version. Yes, yes. Um, and so I thought, this is great. I really enjoyed it. Hugh Frazier does a great job. Yes, he did. Really fun listening to him. Although I wish that he would have interpreted Nadine as uh, Zach does. <laughs> yes. The audience has not heard that yet, but uh, we will be releasing a bonus episode where we perform uh, parts of the play version. So make sure you tune in for that next week because we'll be referencing it throughout this whole thing, I'm sure. Because that has a huge impact on our life. Yes, yes. Um, okay. so, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, but it was six hours. The audiobook was six hours long, and I've been listening to it in snippets. And I listened to all but the last 20 minutes. And That's so cool. I still have no idea who the culprit was. <laughs> you don't I, know? I remember who the culprit, I remember the finished the, the storyline from the play. I remember that, like even be, like before we read it, I remember that. Um, but I do not remember who it was in the book. So oh. I, I read the whole book up until the last, like, you know, few pages. <laughs> right. Well, we'll discuss that because the ending is one of the more, for reasons we'll explain is one of the more interesting things about this book because of its connection with the play. Um, so, I will be really excited to hear the ending personally. <laughs> I'll share it with you. I'll, I'll be kind in that. In, in that. Uh, so uh, Zach, do you want to give us a little bit of the premise of this book of what you know from, because Zach has read the play now twice. It's, it's all, it's all about. So this family, this like this American family, goes to Jerusalem on vacay. It's great. Except for the mother, first off, fat. Second off, <laughs> manipulative, horrible woman to her family. Yeah. Everybody's mad at her for that. Um, there's a girl who likes the young, the youngest son who's kind of a whiny, you know, no, he doesn't have a backbone. Right? <laughs> and everyone's mad. Boy. Then the mom dies. And everyone's like, oh, who done it? You better find out. That's good. All right. Good job. So her kids, her kids are Raymond, who Zach said doesn't have a backbone. And uh, the book, beginning of the book is told from the perspective of Dr. Sarah King, who uh, is a psychologist who is on, and the first woman doctor in any of Agatha Christie's stories. Um, she oh, observes. That's a fun fact. Yeah. She observes the family and is like, something's going wrong here. And she kind of uh, like it starts kind of as like just meeting them, but she kind of has the hots for Raymond as the story goes on. I can't understand why. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, but you know, psychologist, it's kind of like Stockholm syndrome, I guess. You're mm. stuck in Jerusalem with somebody, next thing you know, you're in love with them. And so she wants to help them because she when can Jerusalem. see she can see the cruel way that Mrs. Boynton treats uh, them. Then also, she has another son, Lennox, who is married to Nadine, and Nadine uh, has a thing for. Uh, Mr. Cole, who is Cope. what? Cope. Cope. Yeah, Cope. what was he to the family? He was he was like Nadine's friend at school or something, wasn't he? Like they'd known him from way back, and he always yeah. kind of wanted to like to get together with her, but she married Lennox instead. And right, and now she's seeing that Lennox is like always going to be uh, manipulated by his mother and never released from uh, her hold she is kind of like leaning towards maybe I should go with Cope 
mm-hmm. are called cope. Cope, right? Cope. C O P E. I don't know why I want to call it Cole. Who's Jefferson know. Cole? What's that from? I have no you idea. Jefferson Starship. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I was thinking of Jefferson Starship. My bad. That's why I called him Cole. <laughs> uh, Cole uh, now I remember Jefferson Cole. Okay. Anyway, uh, uh, I, I remember it was from. What was it from? Jefferson Cole, yes, is from Sunset Boulevard. Uh, oh. It's the guy that sold the car who wanted to buy Norma Desmond's car and she assumed that they wanted her to be in a role, but he really wanted to buy her car. And then years later, that would also be uh, David Lynch's character's name in Twin Peaks. Whenever he would do cameos in his own show, he would call himself Gordon Cole. That's why I got confused. Oh, well, okay. Now, or, now we're all confused. Or, or Jefferson Starship. By, by that, do you mean Jefferson Airplane? I mean, just uh, Starship. <laughs> glad we settled that yeah so uh on the, there's also there's that and then there's the youngest daughter uh jenny who is insane and keeps going up to people and telling them i'm royalty and they're holding me captive please help me and that everybody's like and everybody's like that's nice dear <laughs> yeah because they can tell she's insane and then uh, there's the other sister there's like do they do they come out and say it that raymond and his sister carol like are they twins I had trouble keeping that straight. I'm not sure. Because they act like it, they, they were like insinuated they were twins, but never really said it. But I'm like, why would you just be like, oh, I think they're twins, but like not say it? I don't know. But anyway. Back in the 30s, that was a pretty scandalous thing to be. <laughs> I guess. <clears throat> and so, and there's a couple other people on the trip. There's uh, Lady Westholm, who is a snooty, uh, like political figure who's uh on vacation with them she was a an mp a member of parliament yeah which yeah. i don't understand the point of her at all like there was definitely some extra characters i felt like in this book that just like, like uh, probably agatha christie had actually met people like that and decided that they needed to be in there um but i really enjoyed her being in there just for the simple fact of listening to hugh Fraser do her voice yeah he did such a good job and we'll talk about this later but did you know she's played by lauren bacall in the peter eustenau version I did not know that. I didn't even know there was a Peter Eustonall version of it. I'll that. tell you all about it when we get there. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, and Miss so much, eventually Mrs. Boynton dies. Um, she had taken digitalis as uh, medication. And so it's a question of, oh, maybe she just because died. She had a heart problem because, uh, you know, let, let us not forget this. She's fat. She was quite fat. Like uh, Agatha Christie must have like just hated fat people because she brought it up every five sentences. Now, that might seem that way, but I kind of am starting to side with Christie, and I'll talk about this a little bit because in the appointment with death, Peter Eustonov version, I kept thinking like the woman who played the mother, she just wasn't fat enough. <laughs> like, she wasn't like because she keeps talking about like in her stage direction in the story about how she's like. Yeah, she's like a Buddha. She's like an idol that sits there. Like all of her movement is with her head, not her body, because she's supposed to be like you know, like a job of the hut type thing. She's like imposing without ever using right. her. Body. Right. Uh, and I, I yeah, but uh, there's also I don't know if this is in the book, but there's a part in the in the play where they make reference to she can't walk to a certain part of the of the. Uh, expedition because her heart's bad and she just you know she can't get up there she's an old lady so they have to carry her on those 
like those royalty things with like the poles on their back and carry her up to the uh, <laughs> and it's like such a cool image in my head of them having to carry this woman up there I liked it yeah and it's not like to say like kind of like um do you know what it makes me think of is Ursula in The Little Mermaid yeah right like because you know, it's not to say that a skinny person couldn't play that role, but I do see what you mean, like the the um, image of it, of her being like physically, you know, a large presence. Exactly. But I do, because she's done this before, though, because remember Josh, yeah. uh, remember Zach's um, amazing turn as Henry Cavill? <laughs> Who hated Batwoman. Yeah. She's definitely brought it up before, like... <laughs> there has been positive fat characters before, I think. I'll get back to you on that. I'll get some <laughs> yeah, you look into that. <laughs> what remi- the she remind after everything you just said, the only person I can think of is um, I don't know that Charlotte would know this character, but in Howl's Moving Castle, the the witch of the, the waste of the waste. Yeah, I the can see really because she's so fat and she has like minions that carry her on pole bears. And there's a scene where she has to walk up a flight of stairs. That's what, yeah, the pole bears is exactly yeah. that same image. And right? and she like and she's like collapsing on the floor and so drenched with sweat. She's like, Ugh. that's such a weird movie. She like turns to a prune by the end of that scene. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it's a weird movie. Anyway, don't watch anime. <laughs> don't watch anime. It's not good. So, had you read this book before? Because it's one of the more famous of her stories. I have read this before, a long time ago. And I thought the closer that I got to the end, I would remember in the book version who was the culprit. And I didn't. I still don't know. <laughs> so, what what were your impressions of how, up, leading up to that point, how the book... I'll, I'll say it first. Um, the, just the writing of it, like... It kind of it was a little more similar to because we broke off of this a little bit with Dumb Witness and uh, the other one, but like Cards on the Table, uh, most of it was psychological in this book. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of physical clues, and I I really liked the sections before Poirot came in too, where we were just observing the family because I liked Sarah King, the doctor. I liked her internal monologue. I liked the way that we saw the characters instead of just being thrown into the family at the beginning. It was really cool that for a while we saw them from observer's perspective being like these people are just so weird i think it really rounded them as characters and christy herself said and she said this for a lot of the psychological books like five little pigs this one and the hollow she said i wish i hadn't added poirot like i think he ruins it because at that point it's less uh of an observing book and you're not in people's heads you're with the like question and answer format once poirot gets introduced yeah that that's true it could have been a standalone it could have completely been without and that's what she does with the play where she cuts part <clears throat> right yeah because you've got dr gerard who is, is like the kind of the scientific voice of reason reason and then you have sarah king who's invested in what happens to the oh. family but also is the outside observer yeah um carberry and oh yes in, uh, colonel cadbury you can't forget yep. about him yeah, um, it it was definitely more about the characters, for sure. And it was, I, I know that you like stories about dysfunctional families. Um, they, they appeal to my heart. I didn't have one, but they do appeal to my heart. <laughs> that must be why. That must be why. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it would be so cool if I, Sophie Hanna always says, I had a dysfunctional family and that's why I love writing about them so much. 
And I'm like, I didn't, but I love reading about them and writing about them. (laughs) They're just so fun. They're so fun. Yeah, yeah, I think she did. I think Chrissy did a good job of presenting the relationship between and like why they were that way. Because from an outside perspective, uh, Sarah King and others were always asking like, well, why don't they just, why don't kids just not be influenced by her? Why are they controlled by her? They should just not be. And Dr. Gerard tried to explain to her, like, it's like, it's not that simple. If you haven't been in a, like a psychologically abusive relationship like that, you don't know that you can't just be like, oh, well, I won't, I won't allow myself to be manipulated anymore. That part was interesting. There was a lot of um, armchair psychology though. Um, At one point you, because Sarah gets really frustrated, Sarah King gets really frustrated because she likes Raymond and she's like, oh, I hate his mother because she's, you know, standing in the way. Um, and she's so fat, I can't get around her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, at one point, like, Sarah goes up to her and has this big scene. And she's like, I know what you're doing and it's not going to work. And, like, kind of tells her off. And then later she feels so guilty about it. And she's like, wait, what if I saw this all the wrong way? Because... In, in one way, you only have like Sarah's viewpoint of it. And then you have Dr. Gerard's viewpoint and they agree with each other, but it's like, oh, wow. What if we just got it totally wrong? Because Jefferson Starship Cole Cope, um, he's like, aren't they just a great family? Like, it's so great that they all live together and they're so devoted to her. And everybody's like, you're an idiot. She's a manipulative, <laughs> horrible witch. And he's like, oh, not the not the feeling i get (laughs) so there is a half a second where you're like wait a minute whose side because she is is you know you can't deny the fact that she is the victim of the crime in the book so you're kind of left with figuring out did she deserve it or not is what christy wanted you to to kind of debate yeah and that i that's one of the things i really liked about the first half of the book is that that's really true uh of psychology there's always people I mean, think about like how the movie, the Suchet version kind of made it a little more mommy dearest than subtle. Like she adopted these kids and then was like the physical abuser throughout the movie. And then some people didn't believe it. But that's true of all those cases. There's always people who don't really understand what's going on. And they're like, no, this is perfectly fine. This is okay. And Christy pulled on that. Like not everybody would get it, especially when Mrs. Boynton knew what she was doing. She wasn't, she wasn't like, because uh and when people would come up to her from outside she would be pleasant to them and would act like oh i'm so old i'm so weak but my children take care of me because they're very good children and then around her children she would be like don't do this don't do that don't talk to girls i hate you all (laughs) a little more subtle and better written than that but uh, (laughs) still with that great accent (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they can't be better written than that no that was beautiful so i think the second half i can get what she's saying by she was upset that poirot was introduced because it kind of it does change it takes away the the depth of it because after that point it's poirot finding out which of which of them um did it i don't think it ruins the book like she did but i can see that the first half was definitely the stronger yeah yeah um because Another thing that I didn't really catch, and I'm not sure why she did it this way, but when Poirot finally came in, she was just like, uh, he was like, oh, I'll solve this in 24 hours. And I thought, okay, well, maybe that's because like, oh, you know, they were going to, 
you know, they had to, they had to dispose of the body in 24 hours or something because they're in the desert or something like that. He was just like, no, he was just like, "Mm, ah, 24 hours. Let's say that. Yes. That sounds good to me. (laughs) I think it's extended because, uh, because in like the movie or the book version, because they're having trouble keeping Lady Westholm there because of her, uh, something she has to go to and he's like oh i can solve it before that you don't even because they're like how are we going to keep all these people here they don't want to be here and he's like oh i'll do it and in the movie they do it two days for some reason but yeah i'm not sure why she picked that gimmick and like didn't really explain it that much it doesn't really fit into the whole whole thing but no not really no but i did think her writing was very strong uh, like it had a much more mature uh i her you can tell especially in this part of her career when she does the flip-flop with the first person, not just Hastings, but any first person, I think she shows how much she shines in a third person narrative when she can jump from people's heads. She does a really good job with that. And, and I think that showed well in this book. Yes, I agree with that. So uh, do you have anything else to say about the books? You want to talk about both of the brilliant movies that they made on this book? <laughs> well, uh, first of all, can you please just tell me in the book who doesn't? <laughs> oh yeah, we should discuss that too. So this book has a, a play, as we've been discussing, and the play uh, wasn't really that well received. And I read the play. Yeah, you didn't read the play, right? Yeah, I've read the play. You have read it, but you didn't like right now. When I read the play this time, it's like, it has good lines in it, but you're going to, the audience, you're going to hear us and uh, reenact the play with a ton of it taken out. And honestly, a lot of the stuff that I took out just didn't need to be there. Like, there's a lot of uh, comic relief. Like, Lady Westholm is just comic relief in the play. And she has, like, this this servant that she keeps being mean to. And it's, like, supposed to be funny. And, like, if you saw it on the stage, they may have presented it funny. But it doesn't contribute to the plot in any single way. Pretty much everything I... Being mean to a maid at all. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been... I've never used one as a human shield. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But... I can see why this play wasn't at, didn't in, last as long as The Mousetrap or Black Coffee mm-hmm. or Unexpected Guest, any of those. It wasn't as solid. It had a lot of filler. Uh, but the famous thing about it is that it has a different ending for good reason. The ending of the book, as you said, don't know why this is here. We have so long with this family wondering which one of them did it. And the ending is, so Mrs. Boynton was a uh, wardress in a prison and the cool thing Christy does in the book is they keep saying she's cruel to her kids because she was a wardress in prison, but eventually they're like, no, she uh, became... Got the job in the prison because she was cruel. Yep. Real life, right. Uh, so the twist in the book is that since she was a wardress in prison, she says a line that says, I never forget a face. Not an action, not a name, not a face. And Lady Westholm was in prison before she was a famous uh, politician. Uh, back in America and uh, Mrs. Boynton saw her and said that line to her over someone's shoulder and Lady Westholm killed her to keep it secret and it just really kind of, yeah it comes out of left field because this character oh is like comic relief because I completely yeah because I just I, I think I said that a few minutes ago and now I feel really dumb it's like what was that what was she doing in there she was, was her yeah and oh it, it, wow and the book is, is even, I mean, I, I really like it. I think it was really solid. And then that ending just kind of feels like it's a letdown. Like 
it doesn't have the emotional depth that the rest of the book has. Cause it's kind of like, Oh, this, it, it feels like, huh? It doesn't match. It didn't and- really. Yeah. And it, I don't see that there is absolutely anything at all leading up to that point. Like I said, 20 minutes from the end that would have ever, ever, ever contributed to that. Exactly. Just that line. And so I try to look uh, up to see if like maybe she, she didn't originally intend for this ending, but I don't see anything of that. But she did change the ending in the play and the play has the much better ending, which is that Mrs. Boynton herself knew she was dying. She was going to die soon. So she took an overdose of her poison and placed like several uh, incriminating things in different children's, like uh, something in son's pocket, something in their tent. In his uh, corduroy trouser pockets, yes. Corduroy pocket, so that everybody would like still be a prisoner to her even after she was gone. Because right, which makes perfect sense. And, and the whole time that I was reading the book, I was like, gosh, I don't know how this is going to end, but all I can think of is the ending in the play version. And it makes, it really, it fits yeah. together with the psychology very well. But Oh, wow. See, the whole time I thought I remembered, the whole time I kept thinking that it was Dr. Gerard. Okay. I kept thinking that- Because of the Houston uh, Suchet version? No, because he, because I don't remember what happened in that either. Um, (laughs) Because he was, because he went back to, he was in the expedition that they were on the day that, that she, the woman died. He goes back to his tent and he's like, I have malaria. Yeah. And, uh, so just just temporary. I'll be fine in a minute. Um, which apparently is how malaria goes. I'm not sure. That's that he he's part of it in the Suchet version. I think that's what you're kind of like suddenly remembering. Oh, see, the only thing I remember about that one, besides the fact that it was just like so badly done, was that Tim Curry was in it. Yeah. I watched it a few days ago. Uh, it, oh, yeah. I was going to and I was like, I don't have the strength. <laughs> I watched it while I did something else. So I, I didn't like invest all my time in it. So in a perfect universe, if she had put the ending, because the play is not great and the book is really good up to that point. If she had kept that ending and I feel like she must have wanted to do it because it seems like it's leading to that. If she had combined these two, it would be a lot higher of a book. It would be one of her more memorables because that is a very memorable ending and it fits really well with the psychology she was playing with. I'm really not sure why she yeah. didn't do yeah, I'm still just like so genuinely shocked that it was Lady Westall. Like, what? Yeah. No way. Okay. All right. So the two movies. I'll talk about the David Suchet first. So you talked about Tim Curry's in it. Tim Curry, they make Mrs. Boynton's husband. They add Mrs. Boynton's husband as Tim Curry, who wasn't in the thing at all. And he's searching for John the Baptist's head. Okay. <laughs> He's an archaeologist searching for John the Baptist's head, and Mrs. Boynton is funding it. So instead of just being a manipulative mom, she's a, she is the queen of a financial empire in the Suchet version. And Tim Curry is searching for John the Baptist's head. And one of the funniest that he is pretty good at it, because they even have a part where one of his sons goes, do you have any, because uh, they are not any of her kids in the movie, uh, yeah. or his kids. He, and evil stepmom, yeah. yeah. And, uh, one of the kids goes up to him and says, do you have any idea how she treats us? Are you completely unaware that she treats us like we're nothing? And he goes, nah. <laughs> this is no. <laughs> and but he, you can tell he has no idea what he's doing there because at the end scene, this is his wife who's murdered and Poirot's doing his sum up and there's the stupid subplot with the John the Baptist head. We find out that one of his kids put a fake skull 
in the cave. So he would think he found John the Baptist's head. Uh, Mark Gatiss does this, his other son. And so once Tim Curry finds this out, he's so heartbroken that he says, do you mind if I go step outside and be alone? And they're like, yes. And they continue the sum up of who murdered his wife while he's outside talking about the head. He never, he does, he's not there to find out who killed his wife. It's who, he doesn't, he's not in the movie anymore. Mark Gatiss is in that? Mark Gatiss is uh, Lennox, who's completely changed in the book. He's one of the sons, yep. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I don't remember anything except for the maid and that was like totally unimportant part of the story. Yeah, so, yeah. here are the things they added. Tim Curry, John the Baptist said, Mark Gatiss is the son who's not married to Nadine. They changed that. And Mark Gatiss is always doing a weird performance. I think he's just a weird guy. He's doing a weird... He's a Moriarty in Sherlock, Dr. Lazarus in Doctor Who. Uh, and he's, he's not... No, no, no. He's Mycroft. He's not Moriarty. That's what I meant. Sorry, sorry. Oh, Mycroft. Okay, yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry. I was imagining the right guy. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, and he also has only written ever the weirdest episodes of Doctor Who, too. Uh, but anyway... Um, what else did they change? Okay, there's a nun in it who uh, is just lurking around and you find out that she's part of a trafficking thing and is trying to kidnap one of the Boynton daughters. And uh, Wow, I don't remember any of this. There's a reason why I never watched it again. <laughs> one of her adopted children that she abandoned is following them around and trying to ruin them financially and she never even realizes it until she's dead. Uh, so... Uh, one cool thing about it was the Carberry, the detective kind of guy, is played by the same guy who played Belloc. 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 <laughs> in Raiders Belloc. of the Lost Ark. That was pretty cool. Uh, I'm trying to think. Raiders of the Lost Ark. The villain. Oh, 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 okay. He plays a detective and he's pretty funny. Like he's, he's kind of there for comic relief for some reason in this really, really dark movie. <laughs> um, but anyway like charlotte said they and they make out mrs boynton that to be like a really abu physically abusive and keep going back to flashbacks like that and just it's overbearing over dark it's like suffocating you and there's no point to any of these subplots all the characters are so flat and in the end they change the murder to it is lady west home it is dr gerard who pretended he got malaria <laughs> there's a, oh there's a, so that happened okay there's a paragraph in the wikipedia page that i just loved so much about appointment with the the movie version and i will find it so the um solution is dr gerard and lady west are actually secretly married and they had given up their kids for adoption mrs boynton adopted them and abused them so they're coming back for revenge but they're secretly doing this right and <laughs> the first review on um, IMDb says quite far-fetched, but still interesting. <laughs> and so um, at the end, Dr. Gerard's character and the daughter get together romantically in the book because he's just a, a side character. But right. this, this is what it says about the movie version. It's talking about a change. It says Carol does not have a romantic relationship with Dr. Jefferson Cope. And while Ginny is attracted to Dr. Gerard, she does not marry him because of these two things. As he commits suicide and is in fact her biological father. <laughs> and there's a part where she goes to kiss him and he goes, no, no, I like you, but not like that. And at the end it's because it's her secretly her dad. That's good that they didn't kiss. Yeah. And it's just, they changed all these things when I get it. The, the lady oh. West and they random, but 
that's pretty crazy though like because it doesn't show up until you look at the whole cast but dr gerard's played by john hannah yeah who is is awesome and then lady westholm is elizabeth mcgovern from downton abbey <laughs> there's a ton of stars in it because there's belloc and there's tim curry oh wow. yeah who uh belloc uh paul freeman and the woman, I don't, I don't know the woman who plays Mrs. Boynton, but she does a good job as Mrs. Boynton. She is irritating. She's fat, and she's, she does a lot better of a job in the than the so, other movie version. They don't even have her listed on here. She's not as big as you want her to be. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. I was gonna. She was gonna. She was big enough. <laughs> Cheryl Campbell, is her name. So yeah, that movie's terrible. Let me tell you, Charlotte, about the Peter Houston and Zach. Let me tell you both about the Peter Houston version. I can't wait. I just want you to sit back and, and listen to a tale. So it was made in the 80s after Death on the Nile, right? Okay, which Death, was excellent. Death on the Nile, Evil Under the Sun, and Murder on the Orient Express had just come out. Those were all good, so it was kind of riding on the success of those. It's one of those period pieces made in the 80s that you cannot, you can tell it was made in the 80s. There's yeah. like bad haircuts, uh one character says what's up a couple times they cannot hide the fact that it's like 1980 something it has, <laughs> it has uh carrie fisher in it is one of the daughters i yeah, see yeah. that oh my gosh it has Haley mills but it's really boring it's like you could it's very 80s in every way the costumes are terrible and the music the music is so horrendous oh boy i cannot describe it to you i have to show you how bad the music is wow so that is the theme from Appointment with Death. Are you getting some Randy Newman vibes? <laughs> it so, didn't sound like the first uh, the first draft of the Monsters Incorporated song. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously I couldn't live my life without giving this the proper treatment it needed and making the Appointment with Death theme a little more full. So I have created some accompaniment uh, for you. Just... <laughs> I got an appointment with death. Taking last breath. Cause it's all over now. Baby, baby. You got an appointment with doom. You know that soon. You'll be dead as a doornail Baby, don't you fret Cause you know your casket's Gonna look pretty good, I bet with 
So that's the theme to. Uh, Very nice. Why am I with that? <laughs> well done. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would give I would give your theme song a five for sure. Thank you very much. So that leads us to the ranking of the book. What do you rank this book? I've got an appointment with death. <laughs> with death. With death. It's, it's so chipper for being <laughs> such a dark book. With death, that's about uh, physical, I mean, mental abuse. <laughs> okay, what, uh, what ranking do you give the book? Not the uh, hundred stars. All right, Zach's going to say 100 stars. Oh, boy. Um... It's really hard for me to say because uh, I didn't read, the, I didn't hear the ending. It's all right. You know the ending's disappointing, at least. I I say four-star book and the, it's a three-star ending. Yeah, because um, the idea is really good and the execution is good, but um, <laughs> Zach's physical comedy again. <laughs> all I'm good at. You put me on a podcast. <laughs> These walls around me. Yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah, um, that I I think that if they really did leave that ending, if that really was what the ending was, I still feel like you're gaslighting me. Like you just picked not, a random person. I, I will listen to the rest of it. I can very easily prove you right or wrong. But that's how. Yeah, that shows how crazy of an ending it is. It doesn't even sound like real. It sounds like fanfic. And she could have done more with that. Like, if you would have had some flashbacks to when she was, or if you talked more about her life at the prison, that is just, like, like maybe two lines. I think... Yeah. I, plan. I think it was the suicide thing, and I think she changed it. Yeah. I, I guess... A, mm. Overall, because I do feel there were some really, really long conversations, too, like, between... Dr. Gerard and and Sarah King that went on for quite a while that were unnecessary. So yeah, I, I don't know, maybe three and a half just for originality. That's what I was thinking. Not my looking at the list, I was thinking I'd put it at the highest of the three and a halves. I think it's better than Murder in Mesopotamia and Peril End House, which are other three and a halves, but not as good as Three Act Tragedy, which is four stars. Yeah, it's definitely not four stars, but three yeah. feels a little bit too. Yeah, three and a half. All right, so it's number seven, right after three act tragedy, uh, right before murder Mesopotamia. Beautiful work. Look at us <laughs> making waves, making waves, taking names. <laughs> wow, that was violent. I didn't have time to. Um... Mute myself. I'm sorry. All right. Are you ready for my game? I'm not sure. Okay. So oh, it involves cats. It involves both of you guys. <laughs> Murder on the muse. Hey, I've had some that it's really unfair. Um, I've had some feedback okay. of several people who liked that game, but I haven't heard anyone who told me like anyone who said that it was really awful. I want names after this is over. <laughs> I'll never tell. <laughs> People. Um, okay. So. With death. <laughs> With death. <laughs> With death. <laughs> so, 
my favorite part about Appointment with Death, unironically, was uh, Sarah King observing the family and us kind of figuring it out at the same time as her. So it was kind of cool to see it from a realistic psychologist. I thought we could play a little game called Psychologist. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send each of you your disease or your rule. And so it's going to be a thing like, for instance, I could send Zach that every fifth word can only be one syllable that you say. And so Charlotte gets to ask you about 10 questions and or less, if you could figure it out. Uh, and your answer would determine that. Her trying to figure out what is your rule. You wouldn't outright say it. So I'm trying to give it to her, but... You're not trying to give her the rule, but you have to act on the rule. So you that one's pretty subtle, but you okay. would have to say every fifth word. So I have to... Are we taking turns? Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'll send one to Zach, and you'll try to figure out what his is, and then I'll like send one what to his you. neuroses is, exactly. like yes. he's afraid he's of trains fun. or not what any of this is. But but none of no none of these are like you would have schizophrenia. They're all rules. I'm like, able to figure that out because Charlotte already has that. They're all rules on your <laughs> or behavior. Make sense? Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, no. So try to keep it under ten questions so it doesn't last forever. Uh, I'll send Zach. Uh, one that's not too hard. Thank you. <laughs> we'll start with a uh, easy one. God knows I want to with death. With death. With death. And you can answer like, you know, you can be in character, okay. but this is your rule. Okay. You'll understand when you see it. Yeah. So what am I supposed to ask him? You're going to pretend like you're a psychologist, but make your question, you can ask a question and then like, if you're seeing something he's doing weird, try to ask questions that lead out what is that thing, you know, but oh, just okay. pretend like you're a psychologist at, at the start and it will reveal itself because most of the, rule, the rules are about their behavior or speech. They will show. I didn't pick like you uh, <laughs> only wear gloves. Only wear gloves. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh all right. Uh, welcome to your first session, um, Frank. <laughs> what would you like to talk about today? I haven't been happy. Happy. You you haven't been happy. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, do you have a history of hairballs? Nope. <laughs> um, do you have COVID-19? If so, you should not be in my office right now. Of course not, silly will. <laughs> um, okay, how old are you? 21. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you only cough when saying one syllable words nope <laughs> <laughs> do you only cough when you lie no uh do you <laughs> do you only cough when you say the letter p yes yeah. <laughs> it hears and says the letter p 
Oh, when he hears and says the letter P. <laughs> would not say a letter P to save your life. <laughs> I'm like, what am I, am I supposed to only answer, you know? All right, Charles. <laughs> I'm going to send you one now if we, if we get the gig. Good job, Zach. Yeah, good job. Thank you. I had to think really hard about if you had ever said the letter P, but then I realized it's too late at that point if I have to think it back to what you had said. All right, Charlotte, so. here's yours. I'm waiting. <laughs> Go ahead. Start with your questions. Charlotte, it's nice that you came in to me today. Um, I just want to start by asking, how are you doing? Wait, give it a minute. I'm fine. All right. Uh, now, can you tell me what you've come in here, you know, to talk to me about? I came in here to talk to you today. A lot of information packed into that answer. I know. <laughs> it was far different from the first as well. <laughs> this one didn't start with gibberish. Do you have uh, trouble speaking? <sighs> okay, like, that is so super rude that you would assume that about me. Like, you've just met me, and that's the first thing you asked me. Like, OMG, who do you think you are? Do you age with every new question. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. I think I'm going to have to up the difficulty level, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was a minion. That would have been great. <laughs> All right, Zach, I'm going to up the difficulty level here. Oh, no. Here is your uh, diagnosis. <laughs> you are <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> Go ahead and start. <laughs> now, uh, Mr. Jefferson Starship, how can I help you today? I need to get back. <laughs> I see. Uh, back to where? I see some crumbs. <laughs> Are you hungry? Uh, I need to help feed everyone. Are you Wally? <laughs> Wally. No. <laughs> um. <laughs> For the audience, I'm just doing some extreme Oscar-worthy physical comedy that looks like he has something on his head. Why does everyone need your help? There's a lot of us. Are you a cockroach? A little bit of a cockroach? Close, is what I meant. Oh. <laughs> Are you a bug of some sort? Are you an ant? Yes! Yay! See, it wasn't difficult enough because of Zach's brilliant acting. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I put in 
antennas on my head. All right, well, well I thought, okay, so the first thing you did that with, like, your fingers on the side of your head, like, the little antenna, and the first thing I thought was, oh, you're an alien, and then my, my first question, you're like, you look around, and you're like, I gotta get back. <laughs> For sure. You were an alien. I see some crumbs. <laughs> All right, Charlotte, I'm going to send you one more diagnosis and we're going to uh, have you guys disbarred for whatever you do to doctors. <laughs> Fired. And this is this applies to you. It's just in like the third person. But it, the you, you. Oh, 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 okay. Huh? <laughs> Give me a hint. Same thing with yours. Oh, uh, oh. Uh, all right, go. What have you come in for today? Oh, doctor, you won't believe what I have been through. Um, what have you been through? <laughs> My life is so tragic and every 12 or 15 minutes, someone walks into my house and slaps me across the face like this. Ah! All right. <laughs> Is she you? <laughs> <laughs> She's me. Um, do you do you know these people who are slapping you in the face? Oh yes, some of them are my enemies, and some of them are my friends, and all of them are my twin brother's second baby that I thought was dead but really isn't. Twin brother's second baby. <laughs> so her second nephew. <laughs> or niece. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm so weak. Um, I've been in a hospital bed for the past 27 episodes. Episodes? Are you... Are, oh, you're in a soap opera. Yeah. Yay! Uh, <laughs> very good, Zach. I gotcha. <laughs> well, you guys, you guys uh, are going to be really good at being psychologists whenever. Yep. Because <laughs> I don't really know what's wrong. And I'm like, you're an ant! <laughs> are you an ant? And they're like, I don't know, am I? Do you like crumbs? Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, definitely, uh, definitely my dream job. <laughs> we can tell. Soap opera? <laughs> Soap opera is her dream job. Thank you. I thought so. Good work, guys. Good work. Work, Josh. That was a funny game, Josh. You always have fun ones. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Hey, so, I have a before we wrap up. Um, I have a question for you, though. I need like your your help, like your expert opinion about something. Um, I really, I've been thinking about getting my DNA analyzed, and I see all these commercials. Oh boy! I don't know. <laughs> I just okay. don't know which one to pick. There's been some rumors out there that Josh, Josh of Don't Drink the Tea hates heritage. And that's not true. Because <laughs> as Ben Gates says, I'm nothing without my ancestors. You need to know who your great granddaddy is. <laughs> but whenever I see those stupid commercials with the ancestry of the 23 and me, where the granddaughter gets on like her dad's lap or, or their granddad's lap, I guess. And it's like, whoa, was that our great, great granddaddy who was in the prohibition? It doesn't matter. When you get your 23 and me and you find out that you're 7% this and you're 3% that and you're 1% that, 
I can't imagine how it makes any difference. And I get it if like maybe you sincerely do not know, you know, something about your your family and you would like to know. But whenever we're just these white folk and we want to find out like what 10 generations ago we were like 2% German. <laughs> so is it the is it the um the the product that you object to or like the commercials, like the way it's presented? I think Both. he's I think you're upset that uh, white people care so much. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> imagine, Josh, for a second. Okay. That, imagine, okay. I, I won't mind. Close your eyes. Okay. Imagine, for a second. <laughs> you throw water on me. <laughs> water face. <laughs> okay. The rest of the Mountain Dew just goes. That you don't know that you were 116th Native American. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, imagine. Imagine that you did not know that this land was your land. I would have no claim to this land. You would have no claim to this land, and you took the test, and you realize when you walk outside, you breathe down fresh air. This is your land. That could be a perk, sure. But like, so, <laughs> so like, well, what if like something happened that like could it? Is there any like circumstance that could convince you that there was any use at all? I believe. I, I believe there are a lot of uses. Like I said, people who genuinely uh, want to know for good reason. I just object to all of the young white people when it's like <laughs> a, a vanity thing. It's like they want to tell everybody the whole breakdown and no one cares. Like, I get it if you genuinely do not know. Right. Because of like not knowing who your parents are or some or one of your parents or something. I get that. But for the most part, these are people who have a pretty clear line and they just want to find out what those little percents are and they're not going to have any impact on your life except that you... And another thing that bothers me is that <laughs> I'm pretty sure a lot of those numbers get pulled out of nowhere. Wow. But that is how they found the Golden State Killer. And I think that rocks, but that I'm not the Golden State Killer. So <laughs> that, that hurts. There are certain people who want to know. I don't know how... Like I've heard that they're not that accurate because you know like flat earthers will always go listen to flat earthers and be convinced because i have heard interviews like dna experts who always say like that 23 and me stuff don't waste your time because it's this this and this and i believe them because i have an inclination to already hate that so i can understand if those people are also making it up i like i'm that way inclined already to agree with them well i'm, I'm glad to know the whole story because i was really really wondering like what, what yeah, the joke was me as a person there are certain people that i think me as a person has never been interested in hearing about it i yeah. have a wonderful wonderful present for you josh probably the best present <laughs> i've ever got you i am going to tell you no every percentage of my genome you got it done <laughs> i had it done months ago Oh, before and I before I even knew, and then when I heard you making a joke about it, I'm like, I wonder what this is about. I am going to trap him into telling me. <laughs> this makes it so much more enjoyable now. <laughs> well, well, hopefully we have like a couple percentage of like Australian listeners. So if you're Australian, that could be a perk. <laughs> they could be like, oh, we're going to represent in this show. Oh, yeah. Kangaroos. So tell us, what kind of white are you? <laughs> what shade of white are you? As as you know, you take you've taken all of my jokes already that I was going to do. I, I talk about we we watch Amazon Prime. That's why this hate came. 
much. And so when you watch Amazon Prime with ads, if it's one of their shows they do with ads, they play the same like three commercials every commercial break. So you're bound yeah. to see the same commercial. So me, me and my wife will see uh, a, um, what is it called? Not 23andMe, but Ancestry or not that one. Uh, Ancestry, yeah, which isn't the blood test, but those are just like the documents, the spit test. I don't know what that is. I think you just look like you can just search your name, but they, do, but I, we oh, see it like right, four right. or five times in the same episode. And she's always like, that would be so much fun. And I'm like standing <laughs> on the coffee table, like, no, don't send them your blood. <laughs> or your spit or your fecal matter, whatever they ask for, don't say it. I don't have a conspiracy. Like, I don't think they're like using it to make clones of us or right, sell right, right. Just, I just think it's a waste of time for most people. Just that only like if if you were an already an interesting person with an interesting heritage, then you would be interested in finding out. But if you're just if I'm a, a if white I, person, you don't care. If I'm a <laughs> ambiguous orphan, then by all means do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say I had I had wanted to go for a long time because my reason for doing it is that like I didn't know I had always heard okay one side of my family was like all German and the other side of my family was um like Dutch that is all I had ever heard and I was like I did some look into my family name and you know yeah different 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 shades of white <laughs> and my family yeah. name was very Irish and I'm like okay that's interesting I would like to find out so I had been wanting to do it for a really really long time because I thought it was interesting because I don't know really much about any of that I don't so. need to of my opinions I'm probably offending half our listenership who are <laughs> currently drinking their blood into a vial to send <laughs> Do it yourself. That seems dangerous. <laughs> if it was, if it was blood, I definitely wouldn't have done it. <laughs> you do spit? Yeah. Yeah. And I like and, and the, the shipping of the spit and all that. I feel like you're going to lose some of your, like, they're like, well, maybe she's a little bit uh, Spanish, but, you know, the spit dried a little bit on the way here. <laughs> I, have, I have a full understanding of how DNA works, obviously. I can tell. I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that Jurassic part. Are, are you ready for the I'm breakdown? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> you have to listen to it now. You have to. You'll probably cut this out in editing, but oh wait, you don't edit, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> it might not hear. <laughs> so basically, it the, my pie chart is like like one hundred percent sunburn is, is what my pie chart uh -huh. is. <laughs> so fifty two percent English, as in from England. That explains so much. I was how, really excited how about is, how much she loves tea. <laughs> so yeah uh 50 that was the biggest one and anything over 50 percent feels like a win to me it's not like little percentages of everything it was like 52 percent. that's awesome like i feel like i'm no, i want to go apply for like a uk passport now yeah you probably have some claim to uk land you probably you probably could be in down Abbey if they revive it because <laughs> oh you know that's happening you can yeah, play so so 52% English, 13% Irish, 6% Scottish, and 3% Welsh. Oh, not Welsh. I can't talk to you anymore. And that all is <laughs> 100% useless information. <laughs> exactly. The only, well, thing, the only thing that was like waiting for like something that was interesting, like you were saying, like, I don't care if you're 3%. I forget what you said, but um, is, <laughs> the smallest one was 1% Swedish. <laughs> Much like uh, Funny. uh Carberry is one percent. I thought really he was. 
He was like 110% Royal Canadian <laughs> Mounted Police for sure. But sure. I was hoping, I will have to admit, I was hoping for like, you know, 2% Australian or, um, you know, 2% Portuguese, you I know, 2% it. anything that sounded like, oh, interesting, but it's, yeah, 100% uh, sunburn. <laughs> if you, had, you had written a very strongly worded letter asking for Australian. I bet they would have at least given you a half a percent. But when it comes down to 1%, how far back does that have to go? Far enough. Exactly. So, <laughs> so have you made any changes to your life given this, like, this profound information that you've unearthed? Uh, not yet, but I definitely, well, like, and I had always heard the thing, I think everybody who grew up in this part of the United States always is like, oh, well, you know, there's you know, someone in our family was Native American. Like everyone, every family says that. And it's like, it's probably uh, not true in, in a lot of the cases. And it definitely wasn't for for my family. But um, yeah, 2% English made me really happy because just I've, I've always been such an Anglophile that it was like, oh, yay. <laughs> now, the way that they could change that to get me interested was if it, they could guarantee you they would find you some rich relative who doesn't have any kids that they like and that needs to make a will <laughs> then i do know i do in one way though it made me kind of sad it made me sad that my english accent is so bad like i feel like it should be it should come more naturally 52 percent good if those it was it was really good when i was a kid for some reason i guess i had a better year i don't know but i could i did it well as a kid but now it's it's bad and how many how many tubes are they dealing with there like what if they get mixed you mixed up with another serial killer another because <laughs> that's the first one they go well they won't check it again <laughs> yeah. that is how they found the golden state killer yes, yes. that is cool that is <laughs> i always say that i always whenever i do this little rant which no one cares about like i'm just a little it it doesn't matter that i care about it too people can do whatever they have fun it will just never interest me but that is always my footnote like but that is how they found the golden state killer so i can only talk so much crap about it. they they stopped that in the wind column right i mean i think he had stopped killing but i'm glad that they found it yeah well, thank you for sharing that information i'm definitely going to adjust the way i deal with you accordingly oh sure sure well the spaceship is coming to pick us up now <laughs> what are we going to be reading or in my case semi not reading next you bet the next one uh the well next bonus episode will be us uh acting out the appointment with death play abridged very abridged version and with my very authentic accent exactly and after that we'll be reading hercule poirot's christmas have you read that book i don't think i have nope but i have it i i, I possess it <laughs> i have not read it either and well i have now but i had not read it so woohoo be fresh opinions there all right so let's have a little sign out from our new official theme i've got an appointment with death take your last breath because it's all over now baby baby you got an appointment with doom you know that soon You'll be dead as a doornail Baby, don't you fret Cause you know your casket's 
gonna look pretty good, I bet. You got an appointment with them.